0: My name is Philippe Durand, a professor in the history department at McNeese State University.
1: And I'm Rebecca Harris, a schoolteacher and a local theater actress. Welcome to Your Grandma Rocks, where we explore the lives of famous women in history.
0: Welcome and bienvenue à nos amis francophones. Vous écoutez la radio de l'Université McNeese.
1: On the program today, music and history as we retrace the life of a remarkable woman. She was a star of the Haitian theater in the 1780s, a singer and a sex symbol, a refugee in the U.S.
0: And she even played an indirect role in introducing blackface to the United States. Her name was? Well, that's complicated. She went by various names, but we will call her Minette. Uh, That was her stage name.
1: Along the way, I assume that we'll sample songs from Haiti, right?
0: Well, actually, no. Uh, Haiti has a rich musical tradition, but I've already had several shows on Haitian women, and I am running out of ideas. So I figured, since this show is about empowering women, I should let you pick the songs. I know how much you love music. So anything you want doesn't have to be from Haiti. What would be your favorite song ever?
1: Well, I wouldn't call it my favorite song, but it's by my favorite artist. So let's play Kansas City by Marcus Mumford in the New Basement Tapes. I listen to you time and time again While you
0: tell me just what's right And you tell me a thousand things a day Then sleep somewhere else at night Going back to Kansas City
1: And I love you dear But just how long can I keep singing?
0: to you, Grandma Rocks. Je m'appelle Philippe Girard.
1: And I'm Rebecca Harris, and we just listened to Kansas City by The New Basement Tapes.
0: Today, we are exploring the life of the Haitian actress and singer, usually known as Minette. And a little warning, we'll explore some sensitive sexual and racial issues, so some of our listeners may find that uncomfortable.
1: 18th century Haiti is your area of specialty, so this should be right down your alley. Uh,
0: Yep, I'm actually working on a scholarly article on that actress Minette, so I do know a thing or two about her. Some of the stuff I'll mention today hasn't even been published yet, so we are at the cutting edge of historical research today, I'm not just reading the Wikipedia page. In fact, uh, if the show seems a bit disjointed today compared with our usual format, it's because it's still a work in progress.
1: OK, well, sounds exciting. Where do we start?
0: Well, I would start where I started, which is with an advertisement in the Affiche American, which was a big Haitian newspaper in the 18th century. So I was reading the paper one day. Because reading
1: 18th century Haitian newspapers is something that normal people do.
0: Yep, well, normal historians at least. (laughs) But anyway, I bumped into an ad for a show in the Theatre of Port-au-Prince, scheduled for February 13th of 1781.
1: And remind us, what was Haiti like in 1781?
0: Well, that was 10 years before the Haitian Revolution, so Haiti was still a French colony and that was based on slave labor, sugar colony.
1: Okay, so what kind of shows did they have in the theater back then?
0: Well, colonial theater, that could be a bit wild. I've seen advertisements for magic shows, freak shows, even a bullfighter too. But that night, February 13th, that was supposed to be a more normal night at the theater.
1: And I love theater.
0: I know, that's why I asked you to join me today. I can only speak about the star of the 18th century theater in Port-au-Prince in the company of the star of the 21st century theater in Lake Charles. (laughs) I've been told that grand dames of the theater can be a lot to handle, so please, tonight, no drama.
1: I'll try not to upstage you. So, back to that ad of yours. What play did it feature?
0: Well, plays, plural, uh, because the advertisement spoke of a grand spectacle, all that in capital letters, with multiple plays and musical performances, and then, to top it off, a banquet, and then a ball until dawn.
1: Plays, music, a ball? That sounds like fun.
0: Just trying to give you ideas for the next show that we stage. <laughs> but the showstopper that night, that would be the operetta Isabelle et Gertrude, in which, quote, a young demoiselle of 14 will play the role of Isabelle.
1: A young demoiselle would be Our Lady Manette, right?
0: Right. That night was her big debut on the stage.
1: How big of a deal was it? I don't want to lower your expectations about my career, but the plays I've been in were local productions in front of fairly small audiences.
0: Well, that one was a big deal. We're talking 1781, so long before movies, TV, or the internet, Uh, the theater back then that was the dominant form of entertainment in Haiti. A colony like Haiti would have eight full-fledged theaters And the one in Port-au-Prince, the capital, that could host 2,200 spectators, so pretty much the entirety of the free adult population in town, whenever there was a show.
1: So, if she did well, she could become a major star that night.
0: All things could go bad. Haiti was still rough around the ages. Remember that this colony had been settled by pirates less than a century earlier.
1: How rough around the edges are we talking about?
0: Well, for people who didn't like the theater, you could always attend public executions instead, like burning a slave at the stake or breaking him on the wheel, and that was a common saying in a Caribbean plantation colony like Haiti.
1: Inside the theater?
0: Well no, those executions would take place outside on the market square. But the theater itself, that could be quite rough too. Uh, People often stood up and walked around, they talked, they heckled actors, they even got into fistfights and duels. I even found one case where one audience member bit one of the soldiers on duty that night.
1: That'd be scary for a young actress doing her first big play. At least, because she was a young woman, the public was supposed to respect her, right?
0: If only, she was not just a young woman, she was a mestive, i.e. an octoroon in English.
1: You mean, she was mixed race? Yeah. You, you said earlier this was before the Haitian Revolution, so slavery still existed then. Was she a slave?
0: Oh, no, no, she was born free. Uh, but even free people of color, they suffered from legal discrimination in Haiti. Think of the Jean Crow laws in the U.S. South.
1: Was the theater itself segregated? Oh, it
0: was. Regular white people, they would sit on the main floor, and then fancy white novels, they would occupy the best loge, And then people of color, mixed-race people, they would be relegated to the uppermost sections, all the way at the top of the theater.
1: You said she was mixed-race. So a white father and a brown mother, right?
0: Correct. Her mom was a quadroon.
1: So in the colony, her dad could sleep with her mom, but they had to part ways when they got to the theater, even though their daughter was the star of the show? Exactly. That's weird, and also scary. If Haiti was the kind of place where people routinely had fistfights in the theater, and where people of color were routinely enslaved and publicly tortured, then I wouldn't want to be a young woman of color standing behind the curtain on opening night. What if she bombed?
0: That must have been pretty scary for a 14-year-old. Yes, I agree. But then, if she was a hit, then she could become rich and famous, in spite of her racial background, which would be a major achievement in the 18th century.
1: So, how did things go that night? Remind us, which play was she in?
0: The operetta, Isabelle and Gertrude. The libretto has survived, so I've been able to read it. Uh, That starts in the moonlit garden of a house. A young man is there looking for the woman that he loves. Isabelle, of course.
1: Played by our woman, Manette.
0: Yes, Uh, though she doesn't show up yet. At this point, uh, it's just her admirer lurking around her garden in the middle of the night.
1: So basically, a stalker.
0: Two, actually. The young man uh, then bumps into his uncle, who's also looking for the woman that he loves, that would be the mother of Isabelle Gertrude.
1: That's a bit odd. Two men who are related who are pursuing a mother and a daughter? That's all a bit incestuous to me.
0: To be clear, the men would each separately have sex with the mother or the daughter, but... So no incest, but yes, there's definitely an odd dynamic to that foursome, you might say. As a side note, the reason why there were so many mixed race people like Minette in Haiti is that white men routinely had sex with black women,
1: including slaves who could not say no.
0: Correctly, so people in the colony they often looked at women of color like Minette, our actress, as lascivious beings because they were the products of illicit relations between unmarried partners, and so those women of color, mixed race women, they were also seen as objects of desire themselves.
1: Talk about projection. The white fathers were the ones who were full of lust, but then they accused their mixed-race daughters of being promiscuous?
0: I don't make the history. I just tell it.
1: Wait, it just hit me. You said that white men were weirdly attracted to mixed-race women, right? Right. And that those mixed-race women were often the illegitimate daughters of white male planters, right? Right again. So, are you saying that planters looked at their own mixed-race daughters and thought impure thoughts?
0: And you'd be right again. I have found cases of planners getting infatuated with their mixed-race daughters and then sleeping with her.
1: Ugh, that puts the incestuous overtone of the play in a whole new perspective. How old was Isabel supposed to be?
0: Her mother in the play was just 36 and Isabel was played by an actress who was 14 in real life, so barely a teenager. And I will answer your next question, the men in the play, they're all full grown adults. And so were all the real live men in the audience who would have been ogling the the young actress playing the role in
1: Art imitating reality, but back to our play.
0: Well, the young man and his uncle, uh, they eventually end up waking up Isabel's mother with all their ruckus in the garden. And that mother is described as a fan of the Enlightenment. She loves to read Plato and all the big books.
1: Well, interesting that they made her a well-read, well-rounded character.
0: Well, that's not interesting for the uncle in the play because he sees her bookish taste as kind of her main flaw. Clearly, he has better things to do with her uh, than reading books.
1: Wow, he sounds like a winner. What about our topic for today? The young actress Minette. Is she in the play yet?
0: Not yet. You need to build up the suspense in the play. Uh, She only made her grand entrance with an area, her song, in scene 8. So remember that she was mostly celebrated for her voice and also her virginal innocence. And so that's the translation of the song that she began with that night. Quote, The sky is calm, but my heart is not. A secret trouble eats at me when I succumb to sleep. And I wake up in the morning, I am even more worried. I ignore where this languor comes from, but I sigh and I desire.
1: Wow. Way to play into local fantasy for Mm mixed-race teenagers. I wonder if she realized what kind of words they put in her mouth.
0: Well, you've started plays before, so you tell me, how is it like being ogled by audience members all night long?
1: Well, um, honestly, I've played a lot of men in my time, so not too much ogling going on. Uh, But i played an ingénue once or twice, and I've had to wear lingerie on stage, so...
0: Ingenue and lingerie? Why does every word in the English language have to be about sex stuff?
1: Based on what was going on in the French colony of yours, you got your answer.
0: Touché. Uh, but seriously, what was your experience as an actress playing the role of that scantily clad romantic interest on stage? What was the male gaze like? Because I'm trying to figure out what Minette, the actress, she went through on that opening night.
1: Well, honestly, some people were definitely uncomfortable and left the show from the beginning. Others stayed and they, of course, looked, ogled, whatever you want to call it. So back to our play, where Isabel and her mom interested in the two lovers.
0: Not really. The mom says no to the uncle, and she also says that the daughter, she is far too young for the nephew as well. In fact, the mom wants to send the daughter to the convent ASAP so as to protect her virtue.
1: And in the context of 18th century Haiti, I assume that when a woman of color said no to a white man... That was the end of it, right? I'm being sarcastic here.
0: You're right to be sarcastic. Basically, the whole play is about getting past this firm no from Mm -hmm. the mom. So eventually, the men use a trick. They fool around with a woman in the darkness of the garden.
1: Fool around as in?
0: Well, the stage directions are a bit unclear in the libretto, so I'd love to see how the play was actually staged uh, that night. But basically, there is some physical contact, some noise, and the neighbor who is super nosy hears everything, and she assumes the worst.
1: Like she thinks they actually had sex
0: yes so at that point the uncle and the nephew they tell the mom that's it you need to let us marry the two of you otherwise the neighbor will tell everybody that we had unmarried sex and that will be a big scandal so you have no choice to but to make our union official so as to save your reputation
1: and that plot was sold as a love
0: story In the context of 1781 <laughs> yes that was love uh, and eventually the women in the play they reconcile themselves with their fate and the play ends with one big happy finale where the four lovers think about how you should ditch books and morality and just seize the day, copy DM, and enjoy yourself. The end.
1: So to recap, a teenage version played by a 14-year-old is tricked into marrying a stalker who was hanging around her garden while his uncle conspires to wed and better her mother, all of which was staged in a colonial society where women of color could hardly say no to white men. I believe the modern word is problematic.
0: Yes, uh, toxic masculinity, mm. that might pop up too. But strangely, the play for the night was picked by women. Uh, the female actress who played the mom in the play.
1: Wow, here's one other question that's been bothering me. Uh, you said that Isabelle was played by a mixed-race woman, right?
0: Correct, Minette, the actress that we're studying today.
1: So presumably her mom should have been a bit darker.
0: Uh, right, in real life, Yes.
1: But that mom was played by a white actress, you said. Right again. So how did they get that point across on stage? That play was problematic enough. Are you now telling me that I have to add blackface to the mix as well?
0: Uh, Yes, and that is a whole other can of worms. So let's take a break before we get to that issue. (laughs) Let's. So which song do you want to hear now? Your pick.
1: Here's a fun one. Let's try Rock Lobster by the (laughs) B-52s.
0: and welcome back to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS. Je suis Philippe Girard.
1: And I'm Rebecca Harris, and today we're covering the life of Manette, a young woman from Haiti who had her big debut on the stage of the Port-au-Prince Theatre in February 1781. So far, we've talked a lot about the play in which she first starred, but you've said nothing about her background. Who was
0: she? Well, her real name, that was Alexandrine Louise Ferrand.
1: You said she was the daughter of a quadroon and a white man, right? Were the parents married? Was interracial marriage even legal in colonial Haiti?
0: Those marriages were legal, but they were considered a step down for a white man to officially marry a woman of color. So the dad, who was a fairly prominent administrator in the colony, simply ditched the mom of Minette in real life, and then he returned to France. And then he later married a white woman instead. So
1: that adds another layer of wrong to relations between white men and women of color. Even when it wasn't rape per se, such relations were often unequal or abusive.
0: Well, yes, and then no, Uh, such relationships were not perfect, far from it. Uh, But planners, they often had a habit of freeing the black slave that they had Mm -hmm. sex with, along with the mixed-race offspring, which is why the whole family of Minette was free in the first place. Uh, Fathers, they often gave money to their mixed-race kids too, so a relationship with a white man, again, however imperfect, that could bring some financial benefits to the women involved. Uh, Minette and her mom, the whole family, they were fairly affluent financially.
1: But back to that question that bothered me earlier. When Minette appeared on stage with a white actress who played her mother, was that actress wearing blackface?
0: Well, that's something I'm still trying to figure out because the sources are not very clear on that matter.
1: Mm, That's kind of a letdown. I was expecting some big reveal. Well,
0: just a sec, because the play I mentioned was not the only one that was played that night at the theater. It was followed by another play, Jeannot et Thérèse, which did feature blackface for sure.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Walk us through that one.
0: Well, that second play, that was based on Le Devin du Village, which is a play by Jean-Jacques Rousseau.
1: This was philosopher.
0: Yes, he was not just a philosopher, but a romantic playwright as well. And he even wrote the music because that second play was also a musical.
1: Any problematic Sexual politics in that play? I know that in real life Rousseau was a bad boy who ditched the mistress and his bastard kids.
0: Uh, No, that play was a rather clean love story. Uh, The original play by Rousseau was set in a French village but the play that was performed in Port-au-Prince in 1781 was adapted for the Caribbean stage and so the whole setting was moved to a Caribbean plantation.
1: so the lovers in the play were black then?
0: Yeah, well, black slaves that were played by white actors in blackface.
1: What on earth was the point of using blackface in the play? Just to be racist?
0: Well, that's actually a big debate among historians, not just in Haiti, but in the U.S. as well. Uh, Nowadays, blackface is clearly taboo. So an actor would use it today, and that would be obviously racially insensitive. But was that true in the past too? That's the question.
1: When people did minstrel shows in the 1920s, I'm pretty sure they meant to mock black people too.
0: Right. But as you go even further back in time, that's less clear if blackface is meant as mockery back then. Or more as an example of cultural fusion, you know, like white people trying to incorporate black cultural themes into their act.
1: Oh, like a white rapper today. Yeah.
0: Uh, At least that's the debate among historians.
1: What about 18th century Haiti? Was blackface meant as a homage or was it racist mockery?
0: Well... I would say a bit of both. Uh, blackface was used in a genre known locally as a Creole parody. Uh, French comedies, like the one I just mentioned, that were adapted to a Caribbean setting. So those comedies would feature white actors in blackface, but also dances and songs inspired by the dances and songs of African slaves, all that done in Creole, which was a pigeon used by slaves in Haiti.
1: So you're saying there was a more general attempt to borrow from African culture, not just mock their skin color?
0: That's the sense I got. Uh, White colonists in Haiti, they were very sensitive about their colony being seen as a cultural desert by snooty Parisians. That nothing was going on in Haiti except growing sugarcane and coffee. So those Creole parodies, they were a way to showcase the local Creole culture instead of just playing the repertoire imported from France.
1: So we should see blackface as a form of local nationalism then?
0: Exactly. And I find it interesting that when local authors, they tried to find something that was culturally relevant about their society in the Caribbean, they turned to slave songs and dances imported from Africa.
1: You hinted that blackface could be pretty mocking or even racist too. What evidence was there of that?
0: Well, for one thing, those Creole parodies in Haiti, they were described in the paper as grotesque fonses. So clearly the audience, they would have been laughing at all these silly African dances that were done to entertain them on stage. Uh, But to me the biggest hint that blackface was offensive to some even in the 18th century, that came from Our Lady of the Day, Minette.
1: Wait, you mean she put on blackface too?
0: Quite the opposite, she consistently refused throughout her career to appear in Creole parodies, even though those comedies were big hits with the public in Haiti. Instead, she always favored fancy operas and plays straight from the Parisian stage.
1: I'm sensing a theme here. She was very self-conscious about having some African ancestors because that would have been a flaw in the society of her time. It was. So, to compensate, she would try to be as French as she could. So no blackface, no Creole parodies, only French plays from Paris, and only using the French language.
0: Oui, oui, oui. (laughs) You got it. Uh, In fact, the high watermark of Minette's career was when Durand, who was a famous singer from the Paris Opera, he went to Haiti on a tour. And during that visit, he only accepted to sing duets with one single Haitian singer, and that was Our Lady Minette. For one performance at least, she was the most Parisian of all the women of Haiti, black or white.
1: Wow. Incest, cross-racial sex, blackface, and nationalism. The theater back then was really political.
0: That's what I find fascinating about it, and I'm still trying to unpack all that.
1: Why is there a blackface tradition in the US? And one in Haiti too? Was it just a coincidence or was there a connection?
0: Well, that's the million dollar question for me. As such, blackface was not unique to Haiti and the US. It was big in 19th century Cuba, for example. But I've actually found a direct link between Haiti and the US. Uh, You see in 1791, the Haitian revolution began.
1: Oh, that big slave revolt you study.
0: Yes, and that revolution in 1791 that completely upended the old colonial world, including the theater scene. For several years in the 1790s, plays pretty much stopped being performed in Haiti altogether.
1: So what happened to all the actors and actresses like Minette and the others?
0: Well, many of them fled north to Charleston and New Orleans and Philadelphia in the US, where lo and behold, within a few years I see mentioned that these Caribbean actors have set up new theaters in exile. And they're staging Creole parodies, some of them in blackface.
1: Wait, are you saying that blackface was introduced into the U.S. by Haitian refugees?
0: Still in the middle of my research, but that's my basic premise. Yes, stay tuned. (laughs) Uh, But to me, U.S. blackface uh, has a long history that goes back directly to French Caribbean colonies, like Haiti, in the 18th century.
1: Oh, wow. Wow we've gotten sidetracked again. Uh, We need to go back to Manette's life and see what happened after that big opening night in 1781.
0: She was a huge hit. Chroniclers of the time, they just raved about her. Even people that were big supporters of colonialism and who were otherwise racist.
1: Though, of course, that fascination was mixed with some pretty icky fantasies about mixed race daughters. Right. One thing I noticed, the white writers you mentioned didn't use her real name. They called her the Demoiselle, which is just the Miss instead of her full French name. What was that about?
0: Good catch. Uh, She actually was also referred to as la jeune personne, the young person, which is also pretty vague.
1: Let me guess. That little detail had profound political implications? It did.
0: You see, uh, white people in Haiti complain how some upwardly mobile mixed-race people, they could become just as rich as many whites.
1: Like the family of Manette.
0: Yeah, so the colony... In Haiti, passed laws saying that mixed-race people had to have stereotypical African names, like Zahir or Azor, to take them down a peg or two.
1: Minette was eager to be accepted as French, so she definitely didn't want that.
0: She didn't, so that pretty much left her nameless. She could not legally be called by a French name, but there was no way she would take on some African identity, which is why she was that mysterious Miss or Young Lady, and eventually she had to go by a nickname, Minette.
1: Fascinating. She really had a hard time finding her place in the world where there were either black slaves or free whites, and she wasn't either.
0: That uncertain status, that was kind of the story of her life.
1: I'm afraid I know the answer, but what about her love life? From what you said, even as a 14-year-old, adult men looked at her as a romantic interest. I'm
0: still digging through it, but she had several children over the years, starting just one year after her big debut at age 15.
1: So she definitely followed the model set by her female ancestors. Who was the dad of that baby she had when she was 15?
0: Again, I'm still in the middle of the research, but my top candidate right now would be Saint-Martin, uh, who was a director of the theater where she became a star.
1: You mean her boss, the one who made her career and paid her salary, had sex with her? I can't say I'm surprised since Hollywood worked the same way, until recently, but still.
0: Well, to make matters worse, Saint Martin was also her godfather, which was like a surrogate father in the 18th century Catholic world. So we're back to our old incestuous overtones. Uh, Not to mention again that she was just 14 at the time.
1: At that point, every question I ask brings up more icky ethical issues, so I should probably stay mum, but here goes. How long did her career last?
0: Well, kind of like the Hollywood pattern for young female romantic leads. Just a few years.
1: That's short. Even though she began at 14, she can't have been old enough to age out of romantic roles.
0: Well, the director of the theater of Port-au-Prince, the one I suspect of being her lover, he died fairly quickly. So she lost a powerful patron, and that must have dampened her career after that. Also, racism in Haiti got worse as the 1780s went on, uh, which left little room for people like Minette who had carved a little niche at the nexus between black and white.
1: At any rate, 10 years brings us to the Haitian Revolution, when the theater is pretty much shut down, so her career would have been shot anyway. Yes. What did she do when the slave revolt began? Did she support it?
0: Definitely not. Remember that her big life aspiration was to be accepted into the French world, so being a rabble rouser would have been counterproductive or even dangerous. Plus she and her mother they had done quite well financially, so they owned slaves.
1: Another question I wish I had not asked. Moving on, what did Minette do if she didn't support the slave
0: revolt? Well, like many other French civilians, she simply fled to the United States. And based on the birth records of her children, she was in Baltimore at some point in 1790s and also in Philadelphia. Fun fact, her third child was born at sea, off the coast of Miami. That was in 1798 when she was on her way back to Haiti. But then she had to flee again to Cuba and then finally to New Orleans by 1807.
1: So she was an actress in Louisiana. like Like me. I love it.
0: In November 1806, indeed, there was an advertisement in the paper in New Orleans that mentioned that Minette would make her big return to the stage as part of a whole show staged in her honor. That's what America is for, second acts. Well, don't get too excited, because in the ad, she was described as, quote, a former artist who is supporting a large family and who's been pretty sick for a long time. Uh-oh. And that was in November 1806. The next document that I mentioned her is dated January 1807, and it's her death certificate.
1: Oh, that's sad. So she's buried here in Louisiana?
0: Yes, her tomb is in St. Louis Cemetery Number 2, not far from the French Quarter.
1: And what happened to her large family?
0: Well, they stuck around. 19th century New Orleans with its subtle 3 caste culture. That was the closest that uh, they could find to the world that they had left behind in Haiti. In fact, if you look up the name Ferrand in the phone book in New Orleans, there's a ton of them. And I would assume that many of them are descendants of Minette. Among those family members, I would like to mention Lise, the younger sister of Minette, because she also had a career of her own as an actress in the 1780s. And she also ended up in New Orleans in the 19th century. And interestingly, Lise, the young sister, she was less concerned about appearing in creole parodies alongside white actors in blackface. And sure enough, in 1811, in New Orleans, she was part of a play on Robinson Crusoe, a play that featured a bunch of balls, who, I'm pretty sure, given the mores of the time, would have been played by actors in blackface. So the young sister of Minette, uh, she would have been part of that process that uh, that brought blackface from Haiti to the U.S.
1: Well, What a life. I have a million other questions, but I'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. Thank you and goodbye.
0: Merci et au revoir.